And we're back. We are. Yep. <clears throat> new week, new war. Yeah. Tacos. It's all good. New war, but old ground. Yes. This feels like the early 2020s all over again. Mm-hmm. Except some people were sleeping then or weren't alive. I know. Then, so. Jesus Christ. It's, it's Watching all the newbies opine on this is like... You know, nails on chalkboard. Yeah. They have hard, no clue. Hard to put up with. Um, still, this is, this is well, this is unprecedented in, in some respects. I mean, we never saw the scale of this before on the Palestinian side. Um, as we'll explain, though, it's still a turkey shoot. I mean, <laughs> the complete mismatch between the two. In that sense, like it's almost, on the face of it, it's suicidal. Now, that should tell you if you any kind of contextual information about why Gaza is the way it is, that it's a desperate it's a desperate move. You know, it's not like um, yeah, it, it's it's all shaped by desperation because of the situation there. Um, instead, you're expected to well condemn unequivocally this barbarism, and ideally, you know join calls for leveling Gaza, a war crime, killing about two million people. Or as some people have said, which definitely takes me back to the days after 9-11, turning the Gaza into a glass parking lot, which mm-hmm. is obviously a reference in dropping a nuke on it. But yeah. Um, yeah, the, the, the main thing for us, some people are thinking you know, trying to keep something like a level head. And the main skepticism is that this may not have been a surprise. And that's the title of our show, Surprise or Lee Hop. Lee Hop is let it happen on purpose, you know. Mm-hmm. It's probably not the case that it's a you know, clear cut there, but there, there may be an element of it, in part because of the sheer capability mismatch. Mm-hmm between the two sides. Um, maybe, maybe, well, let's just describe what happened first. So it's a dawn raid. Right at the outset, when they're cutting the fence, the Israeli security perimeter is it's watched, by, it, watched by drones, sensors. Um, there have been former IDF people making vlogs about their experience of having done a tour down there and they're surprised because they recall, you know, 10 and 15 and even 20 years ago that if a cockroach so much as moved or a stork landed mm-hmm. on the fence, mm-hmm. everyone in the base and all the way up and down the observation posts is alerted. Guns are trained on it and threat is ruled out or shot at. You know, that kind of thing. And yet, yesterday, thousands, well, hundreds, no, hundreds moved through a fence they damaged walked about a kilometer through open field in daylight, untouched. Well, motorcycles and cars and Many were on foot, though. Hmm. Yeah, behind them. But initially, there's the infantry. (laughs) The the infantry is pickups, golf carts, and, of course, the the Air Force was paragliders. Mm -hmm. I don't know know which to say first. To note that this is novel and new and a new level of... Um, offensive capability for Hamas, which I think objectively it is. But 
but then comma, that's not the end of your framing of that because then you have to re- recall that this is in the context of Israel with an Air Force, satellites, ISR, in, you know, sensors and drones, as I said. Mm-hmm. And they didn't see it. Yeah. Uh, they, they took over at least, I think it's two, there's, there's footage of two of one base being overrun by Hamas. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, ed, the edited version is on uh, Twitter and other social, uh, Western social media, but on Telegram I've seen the unedited version posted, I presume, by Hamas themselves. Mm-hmm. And I counted about 20 IDF corpses in one of the, the bases yeah, that, they were, that they took at dawn. They were all, they were all asleep, basically. Okay. They were asleep. They certainly weren't responding until it was far too late, until they had breached. Because remember, what I just described was the, the, an outer perimeter fence, basically the fence around Gaza. Mm-hmm. There's an open space. There's another fence. Um, then there's a wall. They blew up a wall. They mined it, IED or whatever, and then breached into that. Mm-hmm. And we think they, they've claimed they've taken IDF alive and captive back on Gulf buggies, mm-hmm. back into Gaza. Um, and there's definitely footage of IDF soldiers killed mm-hmm. inside mm-hmm. their nearest compound mm-hmm. to Gaza. Yeah, which is in kind of no man's land. Yeah. Or desert area. So so th- that's a first. This is definitely like... Mm-hmm. Yeah, the fact they got through... a long through, time since any kind of... The fact they got through the, the, the fence and the, the kind of border, the, the wall, uh, and then and, and the fence is... Uh, is bizarre, and then through that area of, uh, I think, a few hundred meters, basically, um, which is kind of like no man's land in a certain sense, um, where anything that moves is, that shouldn't be there is is shot and has been shot. People, Palestinians trying to, you know, breaking through on their own or whatever. There's been many, many occasions in the past, you know, X number of years where, where they've just been killed for for, for leaving Gaza or by... by by, by illegal means, basically, and um, and dozens of cases, even when they're on their side of the fence, trying to farm, they're just shot in the as head. well. Yeah, you know. So yeah, um, I mean, probably a good uh, a good summary of of. And this is like this has been known for a long time, but this is for anybody who needs a refresher or is new to it or whatever. It's just a couple of minutes that kind of sums up pretty much the way people in Gaza live and have been living for at least since 2005. Gaza Strip is only 25 miles long and about five miles wide. Two million Palestinians live packed into this tiny space, one of the most densely populated places in the world. Half are children. Many live in refugee camps speckled throughout the besieged territory. A stunning 80% of the population relies on foreign aid. Aptly called an open-air prison, there are only two ways to leave the enclosed area. The Rez crossing into Israeli territory and the Rafah crossing, which goes to Egypt. Both are completely controlled by hostile militaries. What Israel calls a border is actually a heavily militarized perimeter fence comprised of barbed wire, surveillance networks, and lethal no-go zones. If you roam too close to the so-called no-go zone, extends 300 meters out from the fence, Israeli forces have authorized themselves to shoot to kill. 
Thousands of unarmed Palestinians have been shot for violating this rule in 2018 alone. The same goes for Gaza's coastline. It is the only place in the world where you can't even flee by boat, as refugees elsewhere often do. Fishermen are restricted to only a few nautical miles from their shore. Strained past that, even by accident, you can be blown out of the water by Israeli warships. A massive seawall on the north and south, currently being extended, boxes them into their small sliver of sea. This violence is compounded by an economic blockade that imposes a chokehold of poverty on Gaza, resulting in one of the highest unemployment rates in the world, according to the World Bank. 70% of the youth are unemployed, with 52% for the general population. There you go. <clears throat> There's more to that, but that was just like a, a, a summation of the general situation. But that's a summation of the physical parameters of it. Uh, we touched on the, the, the high-tech ones as well. I mean, mm. that's like it's every bit or probably more impressive than what the Russians have deployed for drone oversight of the entire length of its battlefield against Ukraine, you know. It's such a small area. It's, mm -hmm. it's even more, there are more layers to it. That's probably the thing that, you know, most for me that sets off, like, hang on, how do they not see it coming? Mm -hmm. Now, maybe, maybe, it's more, maybe it's mundane, you know, they did, but there, there wasn't anything they, they could do because this is the first time this kind, these kind of numbers have attempted to come through. Well, how much are you hearing? I've heard they say hundreds of people on either mopeds, pickups, mm -hmm. golf buggies, and of course the, the, the I mean that brigade and the paragliders. They're they're, they're basically glorified dune buggies, you mm -hmm. know, with a, a fan on the back. Like you just saw the containment they live in. At what point were these guys with mounted machine guns? able to train without being noticed. That wasn't their first rodeo yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, they can, they can, I mean, they can do, I'm sure there's paragliding in that respect allowed in Gaza, you know what I mean? They, they can do what they want inside the prison, if you know what I mean, as long as they don't leave it. Uh-huh. But then yesterday was the first time they actually tried two, two to a dune buggy with mounted guns hmm. and successfully reached 22 sites across southern Israel. Well, I, the, this is one part that, that does actually kind of um, strike me as being a strategic advantage because all that high tech mm -hmm. is on the lookout for uh, heat, generally heat-seeking. It might be infrared for a body mm -hmm. or um, radar or um, other heat-seeking tech for missiles, incoming rocketry and stuff like that, yeah. or even simply any vehicle moving along. Is that one suspicious? We can see it there. We can see it there. But this, if they get the gliders up, maybe it's at a certain altitude where they could evade detection or there's no way to bring them down without actually tracking them and shooting them from the ground. In, in any event, they, they, they seem to land. Um, the bulk of them just landed at... This is, another, this is another kind of contextual thing that gives you an idea of the situation here. There was a big rave taking place. Outdoor... Ravers. Yep. Ravers. Uh, not far from Gaza. Like, obviously, I'm sympathetic to what happened to them, and I can definitely... It's, it's, it's 
a terror attack that came out of nowhere for them. I understand that's it in a sense if you just take it as what happened, that is what happened. It's a terror attack. There's innocent civilians and they get mm. mowed down by people arriving with machine guns. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely, if you take it like that. But think about the situation where they're going to a rave right next to that place. Yeah, it's- and they've no compunction that it might be no. inappropriate or dangerous. Because Israel, or, you know, has normalized it for everybody. Israel wants, you know, has for a long time had a lot of tourists, a lot of visitors and that kind of stuff to, to Israel because uh, it's the only democracy in the Middle East and, and they made the, made the desert bloom and all that kind of stuff and everybody should come and, and have fun in Israel because Israelis are fun and they like having parties and they're just like any other European or Western capital. So everybody come to Israel and have fun and stuff because Israel's fun. When, you know, nobody in their right mind should go to Israel. Right. But a lot of people aren't in their right mind, so. Uh, probably because they've been, you know, propagandized against for a very long time, and you know, the Israeli really government, um, you know, has a lot of uh, has a lot of influence. Really, lobby in the U.S. has a lot of influence over over U.S. government and over the media. I mean, it's ridiculous, you know, the level of uh, fawning that has gone on over about, about Israel and and and, and subservience has, that has been. Uh, Offered Israel over the past well since its creation since the creation of the state of Israel in 1948. So um, yeah, it's kind of ridiculous. It, you know? it, it's so I, w- I couldn't live in a country like Israel. Like I mean, knowing what's going on, I couldn't live in a country like Israel. In the same way, like you know, apartheid South Africa, I couldn't live in, in, in apartheid South Africa. I certainly couldn't. You couldn't live in the country in general. It would maybe take me a while, but eventually I would be like, no, I'm not. I'm not living here. This place is uh, is a shithole, you know. And um, I mean, I've made of all the trappings of of of, of a modern. Uh, civilized uh, state, whatever, but it's fundamentally uncivilized because of the nature of the state of Israel and what it was founded on. You know, founded on the founded on the on the massacre of Palestinians and then and the theft of their land and then you know the imprisonment of a couple of mil- million of them in the largest open air prison as you just heard. So, I mean, who would want to live in a, in a state that has those values? You know, that, that, that underpins the entire existence. That those are the values on which it on which it stands. Ultimately, regardless of what values they, they claim, the facts are that those the, <clears throat> that's the, the foundational myth of Israel isn't a foundational myth. It's actually well documented. It's found, founded on slaughter, basically, you know, a slaughter and massacre of an indigenous population um, who they then, for the following 75 years since the foundation uh, up until today, have proceeded to treat as second-class citizens and summarily murder and kill uh, on an ongoing basis with... The connivance or acceptance, to a large extent, of most of the Western Western media, most of the, most of the global media, really, but particularly in the West, Western media, they they turn a blind eye to that. They have done for for quite a long time. So um, it's pretty black and white. It's not about Muslim Israel. It's not about Muslim Christian. It's not about West East. It's not about any of those kind of uh, you know supposed um, um, differences or ideologies. It's 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 very fundamental. I mean. Um, nobody in the right mind. You can't appeal to. I, I can't. I don't get to abuse basic the basic human rights of other people on the basis of a religion, on the basis of or any ideology I might I might invent, or any story I might invent that says my abuse of these people is justified. Is justified or is okay? It's not abuse actually because blah 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 blah. No, it is. 
And it's very clear cut. And everybody knows it. Everybody with any sense knows it. I mean, I know they appeal to, whoa, Israel and the Holocaust, and they need a place to live, and the Jews are persecuted, blah, blah. That's, that's all old history, you know. It's, it's largely irrelevant. It is irrelevant um, to what they're doing today. It's just used as, as an excuse for Israel, the state of Israel, to continue to do what it does to uh, Palestinian people. Um, yeah. But, and that's what the founder on, like we were saying not so long ago, that's, that's what the, the foundation of the state of Israel is on... Uh, on, on stealing the land, killing other people, stealing their land, living on it, imprisoning those people on that land, and then continuing to make enemies of them, obviously, by the way you're treating them. But also, to, you know, to, uh, to make enemies of sympathetic countries in the region, you know, obviously, um, the other Middle Eastern uh, Muslim nations uh, have for a long time been, nominally at least, or officially certainly a few of them definitely enemies of Israel because for the same reason because they don't accept uh, Israel's right to exist uh, in the way that it that it is currently existing you know and no rational person should accept Israel's right to exist as an abusive state you know that abuses people that are supposedly under its care and treat them as second class citizens and put them in open our prisons who's got, who's got a right to do that what, 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 what rights are we appealing to here? You know, that someone has a right to... Well, the, the right was, that was claimed by Netanyahu on his TV address to the nation last night was revenge. That's curious because there is no other world leader whenever this country has justifiably been attacked in some way who actually makes the case for... I think, I think the direct quote, it wasn't in English, it was in Hebrew, but someone translated it. I think his quote was, we will wipe them out um, Gazans should. This is a sick one. We only we will recognize this because most people don't. They go, well, yeah, the, the, the civilians should get out now. He said Gazans should flee now. Mm. Dot dot dot. He's threatening to what? Because he knows they can't leave. Mm. They're not allowed to leave. Yeah. So I think he's expressly called for genocide and said that the motive that was justified by it was revenge. That just doesn't happen. Mm. In other situations, not even I think Ukraine made that their official statement on ginning up support mm-hmm. elsewhere overseas for its war against Russia. Yeah, yeah. Well, you can probably, I mean... But you, Israel does it and nobody blinks an eyelid. No, no, yeah, you're not allowed to or they're so mind-programmed that they, they don't know what basic right and wrong is anymore. They talk about it all the time in, in the context of other, other situations, other countries, rights and wrongs and how this country is a, is a bad actor, is abusing its people or whatever. You know, the media and Western governments will talk about other countries all the time. That, uh, but when Israel does exactly the same thing, it's, they, don't, they don't call it that, you know. Um, yeah. So it's kind of sadistic, you know, like Netanyahu saying that is, is pretty much, it's, 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 it's sadism basically. Like, I mean, uh, you know, can, imagine someone who has imprisoned a person or a family, let's say, in a cage in their basement for 40 years and beats them every day, savagely beats them every day. And occasionally and then, turns the power off yeah, to the house. And then on, on most days they say, listen, you know, I'm going to, give you your savage beating today but I'll give you five minutes to leave and then walk away but don't unlock the cage and then go and beat them yeah I mean it's not fucking rocket science like it's not there's nothing there's nothing 
there, there's no there's no quibbling. There's no nuance in this. There's, there is no nuance. Hmm. People think there's nuance, but there's not nuance. Hmm. People are programmed to think there's some kind of nuance when there's not nuance. Um, and if you were in that situation, if you were living as the Palestinians have lived, anybody, any normal person have been living as the Palestinians have been treated and forced to live for multiple generations at this point, every opportunity you got to strike back at your tormentor, you would take it. And you would be, you know, you would. Well, this is what the, the, the scenes in Gaza are like definitely jubilant. They're celebrating. Yeah. And they don't care. They don't care. Not, and, and then the scenes of them celebrating. Israel goes. You see, they're yeah. all they're all messed in the head. And, and there's, pe- there's the, people on no, tw- there's people on Twitter who don't understand, like newbies who come to it and have these hot takes, and they're just completely idiotic. You'd think they'd kind of read up on. They're like even people who you know seem to be fairly clued in, like geopolitically, on the war in Ukraine, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, they all fold when it comes to Israel uh, and Palestine, you know, and they make this argument that any of you people, you know, supporting or supporting Palestinians and their attack of Israel don't really care about the Palestinians because uh, this is only going to lead to one, one, one response from Israel, which is disproportionate uh, murder of Palestinians, destruction of Gaza and murder of Palestinians. So how can you support that? And it's like, it's not about me. You know, you see, in your, hang on, I, to those people I say, you know when you're kind of like in your armchair generally kind of place there where you, you sit on high and pronounce from your moral high ground? You have no fucking idea what you're talking about, really. It's not for me to say that the, that the Palestinians, uh, that I shouldn't support the Palestinians, what they're doing, because the Palestinians are going to suffer. The Palestinians have chosen, and you can ask them to a person in Palestine, they've chosen this and they've done it repeatedly over and over again. And you know what? At this point, they don't give a shit about Israeli bombing of Gaza. It means nothing to them. It's happened so often. Israel blows up buildings in Gaza and kills Palestinians in Gaza so often that, they're, that they, it's, a, it's irrelevant to them. You know, so, so I'm, like, I'm being asked by these armchair generals, moral armchair generals, to project onto the Palestinians how I would feel, yeah. how I should feel in their position. Like, Palestinians, you should care more about your, your own well-being and your own you know, your own safety and your own livelihood and your families and your, the infrastructure of Gaza, you should care more about that. You should be like me because I care about your infrastructure and your lives and you should as well. Uh, and they completely fail to understand that the Palestinians have been so persecuted for so long and have, have received this kind of abuse from Israel for so long that it doesn't matter to them anymore. They're willing to sacrifice their lives when their lives are made so unbearable that losing their life isn't a, isn't a big issue anymore. Mm-hmm. That's what these idiots don't understand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's why they accept Hamas as well, with a, with a eschatological religious bent to it. Yeah. Um, it's not that they <laughs> they don't know about the history of the PLO. Yasser Arafat, mm-hmm. he was you know definitely a pan-Arabist, secular Arab leader. He did not want to go this route of just martyrdom for right. his, you know. And but he was for he well he, he was poisoned, but whatever. Israelis killed him. He was taken out, and um, and, and Israelis sidelined him, sidelined him, and the PLO as a moderate pan-Arabist, you know, you know relatively, you know, not secular, but more secular than Hamas, let's say, the Israelis actively funded, and, and this is on record, Israelis saying it, they actively funded Hamas as a counterbalance, quote-unquote counterbalance, to the PLO. And you think that's a counterbalance. When you hear counterbalance, you think, oh, they funded Hamas because Hamas was less, was more moderate than the PLO. The PLO was more dangerous. Yes, the PLO is more dangerous, but the PLO was under Yasser Arafat, and even today, uh, is more dangerous to Israel because they're moderate. Because they say no violence, you know, let's 
let's find a diplomatic solution. Let's push for uh, whatever it is, a two-state solution. Give us independence. They, you know, they do the kind of Gandhi approach, and that's extremely dangerous for Israel because Israel absolutely needs for its existence as it is today to continue. It needs a violent threat perpetually at its, at its doorstep that's in it. order for it to, to justify it. Its entire existence, not doing what it does, but to justify its entire existence, because Israel was, like I said, was founded and is based on, on, on violence, on expropriation of all people's land, on living on it, <clears throat> and therefore on <clears throat> their, their, them always being under threat, because they are under threat, and they should be under threat, because they stole other people's land and continued to persecute them. So they recognise there's a little bit of clarity there amongst the Israelis, where they realise that. Uh, but by having this unspoken kind of uh, you know policy, essentially that we need to always have a threat on our borders, they're basically saying that there always will be a threat on our borders as as long as we continue to 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 act in the way that we're acting today, to be the state of Israel that we are today, because the foundation of the state of Israel is immoral and unjust, and they know it. It's like when you know you've done something wrong, you're always going to be looking over your shoulder, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. and, and you realize that if you don't make amends in a certain sense, you don't say, listen, let's, let's end this conflict. How do we end this conflict? Well, then there has to be some, some justice has to be applied to the whole situation. You can't have a solution to the Israeli-Palestinian conflict unless you apply, like, no justice, no peace. You know that lovely, was it, Black Lives Matter? Civil rights. <laughs> well, originally, <laughs> civil rights. More recently, Black Lives Matter. Right, everybody recognizes, supposedly, no justice, no peace, and it is a, a thing when there's a conflict. Conflict resolution is all about... In order to have justice, uh, or in order to have peace, you have to address historical injustices. Yeah. That you're, everybody recognizes that. Like Hillary Clinton, the Clinton Foundation recognizes that. They've done it around the world in different places. So, and Israel understands that if it goes that route, it's going, it cannot continue to exist, certainly within the borders that it has today, and therefore in terms of the influence, et cetera, et cetera, it has. So it's decided that, okay, listen, we're not doing that. Look at the... We're going to always have to have this threat yeah. on our border. Look at the decades-long efforts, the Oslo Accords, um, the follow-ups to that that ended the first and second Intifada, then the more recently the Abraham Accords. The 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 amount of effort internationally, not just diplomatically, but as we saw there, Gaza is basically eighty percent sustained by direct aid from NGOs to try to normalize the situation. You know, sooner or later, this will have to happen vis-a-vis Russia and Ukraine. Mm -hmm. It's already happened, largely right, in the north of Ireland. (coughs) It has to be normalized. And enormous international pressures are put on it Mm. to make it happen. But somehow Israel keeps finding itself under what it presents to the world as an unprovoked attack. Mm -hmm. Well... I guess we just have to keep on as... And oh, look, there's another unprovoked attack. Yeah. We just can't get a moment here. We can't, we can't get a minute's peace with these terrorists always attacking us. They spill that bullshit narrative, like, and it's so inane, you know what I mean? It's for, it's for retards, basically. It's for people who literally think, can't think, couldn't think their way out of a wet paper bag, you know? They, literally, it's like, it's the super simple childish version and if you haven't trained yourself through looking at the world or even just 
looking at your local environment and human relations and stuff to realize if you haven't understood and you're an adult, if you haven't understood by the time you become an adult that those black and white analyses, takes on certain things are nearly always wrong because life is far more nuanced, but you believe it at the level of an even more complex level of, of the level of country and conflict between the country. And you think, yeah, yeah, those terrorists are always attacking us. Really? That's it? That's, and, and, and there's nothing we can do about it, so... Okay, and what's the context and what's the whole story? No, don't worry about that. It's just the terrorists, yeah. they'd be, they be attacking us yeah. and we'd be trying to defend our right to exist. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, good. Okay, whatever. It's like, fuck me, dude. And that's what I get on Twitter, like, you know, from, from supposedly intelligent people on Twitter. Hmm. Uh, even people like that I would have thought uh, have a bit of a, are just, they fall into the, the kind of like, they see the pictures of, it was really, really, really civilians being killed and stuff and that's it. Yeah. It's all gone. Context uh, analysis is all gone because the appeal to emotion and the emotional trigger they and see done. These are civilians they were just trying to live a normal life when this atavistic, murderous, mm-hmm. bigoted force just intervened and massacred mm-hmm. them. That's it. Yeah. Close camera. That's that's the frame. That's all mm-hmm. the entire frame now. Um, yeah, so all, all those ravers are, are, are having a rave a kilometer or less from the largest opener prison in the world, right? Yeah, the Hanover Rave, raving it up, taking With a drugs, big loving it, Buddha or something, Buddha yeah. and peace. It and might love. even have been a peace thing yeah. for Gaza. That maybe an extra twist in this. They may actually have been the more liberal types who would like to see a peaceful solution long term. I think I'm, I'm not sure about that. I think that's partly why they were so close. It was kind of like. A love-in for Gaza. I'm not sure of that. Yeah, I don't know if that, uh, that's the case. I doubt those people would be... That would be the best spin you could put out. <laughs> that would be the best spin, but I don't think that's the case. And, I mean, any, in any case, it's like not very uh, respectful to, uh, you know... A place where children have, are malnourished <laughs> and stunted. And, um, have it, a love-in rave. They, they said half the people are kids. I think there have been plenty of studies that the kids there are like... Yeah. They're psychologically traumatized. Yeah, like, yeah. Like no other group. Um so, okay, well, so that's not uh, what I meant by that is not normal life. No. These people are not living a normal life. You're not li- you're not living a normal life when you go and have go and take drugs and, and party a kilometer from the largest open air prison in the world. In you know in the country that is imposing the largest open open air prison in the world on uh, two million people, half of them children, and you're having a rave, uh, a stone throw away. That's not a normal life. You should, you can't. <laughs> What if that passes? If that's what passes for a normal life, then you have no conscience, you know. Yeah, um, it's a conscienceless, conscienceless normal life. Okay, current. Whenever this happens, whenever something Israel does something, I'm usually thinking first, what's going on domestically? Well, for forty weeks continuously, there have been protests against the relatively recent new. Netanyahu-led government, coalition government in Israel. It basically can't get off the ground because he's hemmed in by uh, pro-democracy protests. And there's an interesting mm. thing there because they, they, there's been evidence that the U.S. State Department funding is key for that. And, you know, mm-hmm. notorious globalists, let's say, like um, Yuval Harari, have been out there speaking in front of the crowd, rallying them up. We've seen the the crazy banners they've had where Putin, Xi, and Netanyahu mm-hmm. are all just with letters dictators, you know, limited to one. So there's 
what I'm getting at here, that's, that's one cleavage point that's a problem in Israel right now, okay? So that's, that has gone away overnight, mm-hmm. at least temporarily. Yep. But I won't, that's not the only, it's more complex than that, because that, the way I framed it there was suggest that, ah, Netanyahu has an interest. He did mm. this. He's behind letting this happen. Mm. No, because <clears throat> you're talking about the entire apparatus of Israeli state security forces mm-hmm. here from secret intelligence to official intelligence, Mossad mm-hmm. to the army, okay? Mm-hmm. Netanyahu doesn't have, cannot wield enough influence to cause, let's say, a stand down mm-hmm. and thus this calamity. He, ne- In fact, in the reverse, I would suggest that he has a problem. Mm-hmm. Someone else or other forces around mm-hmm. him have just given him a problem. So um, <clears throat> yeah, my, my instinct is not to actually gloat this is Netanyahu no. doing his cycle thing. But somebody else wants something else. I think he has a freaking problem. This, this, is, is, this is a really big... Latest Times of Israel says 600 Israeli dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's more than well, Israelis have been killed in 20 years yeah. by the Palestinians. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, other things no, that are going on. It's, backlash following COVID. That's still an issue in mm. Israel. They have the same general anti-left issues that we're seeing elsewhere. There is a reaction to the transgenderism, to the globalist um, planet-saving, climate change. No, there is. Yeah, What I'm saying is that there's a lot of fractures Mm. in Israel um, domestically, just in like within the Jewish majority Mm -hmm. that you can, you can see would require something drastic Mm -hmm. to quote, unite the country. Mm -hmm. And everyone knows war is always Mm -hmm. the great unifier, Mm -hmm. at least in the short term. So that's what's going on domestically in just the last year or so. Um, Another thing I I noticed is, you you saw that too, it's the anniversary, this took place yesterday on the anniversary of the Yom Kippur War, Mm -hmm. um, 50 years ago, right? At first, you know, at first, I thought, well, that's wow, Hamas really chose their timing, you know. But again, that would have suggested there's no one better for anniversaries and timing than the Israeli deep state. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a, if you look at a whole history of wars and attacks and uh, symbolic messages that are little ops or mm. assassinations they've carried out of enemies anywhere in the world, they love the numerology of dates and the, 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 the symbols of anniversaries and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, was that Hamas or was that someone else? It, 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 that's obviously drawing, getting people to draw comparisons to Yom Kippur, right? Yom Kippur War well, in 1973 involved was a different time. That was over in five days. Israel was so powerful then it could end it without really – with American support. But it was – the Soviets supported the other side. The other side was the Egyptian and Syrian military. Uh-huh. At the time, Egypt and Syria, uh, Syria were a kind of union state, mm-hmm. a bit like Russia and Belarus. Yep. Same flag, right. same party ideology, and so on, uh, as part of the pan-Arabist movement of the 60s. That force coming from the south in Egypt and the northeast north, yeah, in Syria were crushed within Israel within five days, to the point that they took the Golan Heights and have held on to them ever since. Mm-hmm. Syria has not been able to take them back. Mm-hmm. And so 50 years ago, their military superiority was so strong, they actually grew from a surprise attack, right, from two states. And you're meant to kind of in your mind go, wow, it's happened again, poor Israel. But it's not even, it's, it's not two states. 
Egypt right now has its borders sealed. It, it has it has for a couple of decades, in fact. There is no or very little that doesn't acknowledge um, ability for any assistance, to, military assistance, to come into Gaza through its Egyptian border. There, there are no state backing. There's rumors about you know Iran has signaled its support and so on. Mm-hmm. There's rumors that weapons have come in from Iran via Iran and maybe through, even through the that happens, black know, market of Ukraine. Yeah, how does that happen? Because, like, like we saw, they control the seas, the air, the, yeah. the tunnels. They boasted, like, as recently as last year, that they quote destroyed all tunnel access into and out of Gaza. Yeah, they, they found them and they destroyed them. They found not only that, but they put sensors in the ground so they can detect any digging or anything like that. You know, right. all, all the way along, uh, any digging at all, they can detect. So it's ridiculous. The whole thing the, is ridiculous. That, that, that linking in people's minds with the Yom Kippur is crazy. It's interesting that, that that was done as a kind of signature of it, but the two things are Israel's dominance since 50 years ago is so much higher. If it signals anything, it signals that, that the people who were behind this, um, who allowed this to happen, um, are planning a bigger war. Are you planning using this? Planning to use this as our trying to use this as a, as, a, as a, to ignite a larger war in the region. Maybe have Israel attack, uh, and Americans are maybe involved in it. Who knows? Have Israel's attack, Israel attack Iran um, and Syria, Syria, and then Iran. You know, progressively, like say Lebanon comes into it because you know. Uh, well, this morning they, they Le- go, they the go Hezbollah to, fired artillery. Yeah, they go too far in Gaza, and then. Lebanon comes in, and then Syria comes in, and then Israel's suddenly at war with Lebanon and Syria, and then Iran comes in and it spirals out of control. And, and it'd be great for Joe Biden, you know, as a distraction for <laughs> for, for next year's uh, 2024. And that, and that, in that sense, um, it's not even a distraction anymore. Wars used to be useful as a distraction, but now they seem to be designed to just kill as many people as possible, you know. Uh, there might be some benefit politically to having wars like there used to be. Um, and it may be beneficial just to distract the population or put the put the U.S. in a crisis mode where the U.S. is now partly involved in a, in a war in the, in the Middle East, you know, a major war in the Middle East. But, uh, yeah, there's there's a couple of things there. I mean, um, is like this is very different from the past ones. This doesn't benefit Netanyahu because it's actually really bad for, for Netanyahu. Previously, when, when the, the, these kind of uh, attacks by from Gaza or by Palestinians into Israel that, that benefited the, the government at the time, you know, reminded the population that we're at war and you need a strong government and some kind of war. We, not that we're at war, but that we're under this continual attack and uh, to build up the security state and stuff like that. It was like a, a quote-unquote suicide bombing or it would have been rockets fired from, from Gaza. But uh, like we're saying, I think it stands out, but this is, is the shocking, relatively shocking or shocking Level of, uh, of 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 bloodshed uh, on the uh, uh, for the Israelis <clears throat> and the shocking defeat essentially mm. for the Israelis <clears throat> and how it all could have happened with it being so controlled, the border being so controlled, nothing nothing moves in that area and yet there they go through through the through the through the fence into a bunch of towns up to like twenty kilometers away. I mean that they'll give those up. Um, so, so that, 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 that goes from it being a benefit, that goes from like a, the odd rocket attack or a suicide bombing inside Israel is a benefit to this, the, the government because it can use it as, you know, remind the people how, how much they need the government and how they're 
they're threatened, but we're controlling it. This has gone way beyond that, and it looks really bad yeah, for Netanyahu. Yeah. It looks like a massive fuck up. You're, you're useless. How could you have let this happen? Um, so it's not. I don't think Netanyahu's involved, and especially like in the context of what you were saying, him being basically under attack at home, at, at home, but also from from afar, from the U.S. Essentially, that the elements within the U.S., the kind of deep state, or Washington establishment, actively funding protests against Netanyahu over the past year. Uh, and this, this is then, you know, is in that context, occurs in that context, and it, it's just another attack on Netanyahu or an attempt to force his hand, you know. So it suggests that there are people behind the scenes with another agenda. Um, and I don't think it's limited to just making Netanyahu look bad. Or maybe it could be just trying to get rid of him because, like, there's people, you know, you could argue that Netanyahu's days are numbered now, you know what I mean? He's going to be he's going to be booted out over this, you know what I mean? Mm. Uh, and that solves that problem that's going to be ongoing for a while for certain, for people within the Israeli establishment. But it could be used also as a as an escalation for, for further conflict. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we should certainly... Be very careful to accuse Netanyahu of willing, willingly sacrificing. Like I said, it's six hundred dead, two thousand injured, and acknowledge they usually don't talk about this, but they have to because it's all over social media. There's a mm-hmm. hundred civilian captives taken in back into Gaza, mm-hmm. including some IDF personnel. Um, the, maybe we should explain that to people. That is such a sensitive issue. This is for Israelis. This is like as sensitive as um, American regular personnel coming home with body bags. Mm. They, in the mid-2000s, there was one soldier the Gazans managed to break out and capture, Gilad Shalit. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a five-year-long saga. I think they finally got him in a prisoner exchange in which the Israelis swapped one soldier for 8,000 mm-hmm. Hamas slash whatever degree of affiliation they had with the Palestinian organization. 1,000 people. Mm-hmm. Now they have 100 civilians plus, including arguably, on this isn't confirmed, they, in fact the IDF denied it, but there does seem to be evidence that they took a major general, um, Nimrod Aloni, who um, his role was um, depth strikes. They were basically <clears throat> abducting key targets inside mm-hmm. Gaza um, these last few years. So they got the very guy who's in charge of overseeing mm-hmm. the security situation. Mm-hmm. You know. Anyway, um, the, the, the scale of that is such a problem domestically because this, this is a feature of the Jewish state is that whilst their leadership covertly has a long bloody track record of doing horrific things to their own people that usually are obviously they're called conspiracy theory at the time and yet there are Wikipedia pages now about things like the Laval affair in Egypt um, in which it is now known that Israeli forces at the behest of the actual government deep state expressly killed some of their own people for domestic purposes of rallying the Jewish population in unity because that's such a strong mythos the love on that's affair. what the love on affair that's mm-hmm. it that's what that's what makes everyone that's what that's what the jewish nation is it, it's it's mythos is we look after our own like no one else mm-hmm. that's that's why that's how they've stayed together without a state for 2000 years right and now they have one but the only this is my only i suppose doubt I put this on the other side of the scales, let's say. What you just outlined is 
the power motives, and it could involve a greater war or something like that. It could mm-hmm. involve just ousting Netanyahu. But on the other side of the scale, one Israeli harmed, and and it getting in the news in Israel is a bad. It, it, it's a catastrophe. Bad juju, yeah. In the national mythos, mm-hmm. I know the psychos on top don't give a shit, but um, so here, like now, you, I'm not. Yeah, now put your just now you can put yourself into the headspace of what's going on nationally in Israel right now. There's hundreds of people captive, six hundred killed. For them, this is like catastrophe. Mm-hmm. Um, in a way that thousands of body bags coming back to the United States are. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the sheer I, I, so if this is a Lee hop, the sheer potential energy if they just unleashed is. Uh, it's huge. Yeah, I thought it was interesting that people immediately seized on the media immediately seized on it as being, and we're making reference to nine uh, eleven. You know, uh, you can see the Telegraph here, and there were others, CNN, a bunch of others. Um, just go around to the picture a bit, um, a bit more, a bit more. There you go. Hamas terrorists butcher civilians as stunned Israel suffers nine eleven moment. You know, well, if it was a nine eleven moment, then. It was, <laughs> I mean, I don't want to take them literally because they're obviously just kind of manipulatively spitballing there to try and, you know, I don't know, get I, clicks or something. But if it was a 9-11 moment uh, in reality behind the scenes, then that suggests that it was it was a lie hop. It was a uh, let it happen on purpose uh, for a specific agenda. And the agenda of 9-11 was to, um, to start a war, basically, to launch American, uh, Amer- the American war machine. Uh, outside its borders and far field, and to you know, to consolidate or project American power into the region, which uh, in that case the Middle East. Um, so and if it's, so, if it's a, Israel's nine eleven moment, then obviously it, it, it you know, it's, it's it's designed to provide justification to similar geopolitical designs to start up to start a war in the Middle East. Yeah, yeah. I'll take them at face value. Like if it's a nine eleven moment, then that's what's going to happen. I'm assuming yeah. the person who came up with that headline or came up with the 9-11 moment meme, maybe if, if that person knew what they were talking about, if they were an insider, uh, then then it would be that... I, I've, um, I've seen it loads. loads yeah, but it's n- funny how those n- things n- spread around. Nikki Haley's <clears throat> statement to CNN or whatever was... Th- th- worse this, was the, this was the, the mirror reverse of what Netanyahu and... forget his name, Prime Minister at the time, said on 9-11, on CNN in studios, like 20 minutes after the attacks. Haley did the reverse. She said, this is not just an attack on Israel, this is an attack on America. This is the, the, the mirror image of what happened on America's Net- Yeah, he was the Prime Minister at the time. Was he? I was thinking of Ehud Barak, maybe he was his he was defense else. minister yeah. or something. Um, it was funny, like 23 years ago, Netanyahu's Prime Minister. <laughs> he, was my, he was a Prime Minister for America's 9-11, and he was Prime Minister... Israel's I wonder this time is he going to get up and tell MSNBC that this is very good. Well, not very good, but it helps Israel's. Yeah, <laughs> that's what he said on nine eleven. Mm. Well, um, it's, it's 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 America's opportunity. That Biden could get up now and say, "Be the peacemaker." Or no, he could get up. He could get up and say, "Well, this is very good for." I mean, it's not very good for America, but it helps America. It may turn out to be uh, that it does help America in one way or another. At least the Biden administration. Um, if another war gets kicked off, yeah, I mean, 
if that happens in the Middle East, they're going to have to wrap up Ukraine pretty quickly. Mm, where did that go? Well, it'll have to. Well, obviously, it goes, off, the goes off the headlines. Still continuing, but if they're going to start a, a, a launch a war in the Middle East, you know, with obviously if Israel is front and center, then America has to have their back in theory. Um, and in that case, then yeah, Ukraine would have to quickly go bye bye, um, go go be wrapped up, you know. Yeah. yeah. So the fund, the spigot to Ukraine would quickly be turned off within a week. Turn off the, the money flow and the weapons to Ukraine. A week later, Zelensky's having a, a talks, surrender talks with the Kremlin. And But you don't even hear about that because they've already started another war. So um, Maybe, maybe. Or they just <coughs> keep the spigots flowing to both. <laughs> I don't think they have the... Yeah. Sure they do. They just keep crank up the printing presses, right? Well, that's money. All things weapons. Okay. Um, it, meanwhile, out in the real world, because remember, all of the hysteria you're hearing is kind of within the the bubble of the West, including Israel. It's just it's its own bubble. In the real world, the official statement from Russia and China did not do the whole condemnation of this barbarism routine. They reiterated the official UN position, which remains the case, except, of course, for America's veto, calling for the two-state solution based on 1967 borders. Mm -hmm. That is, of course, not realistic in the status quo. De facto, de jure, it is the only – that's the one why they keep harking back to it. De jure, it's the only one that's a viable solution, mm -hmm. a political settlement. That may or may not involve the population of Gaza having to be transferred to the West Bank so that you don't end up with like a state and a state and then another state. That's, that's ridiculous. Look at Azerbaijan and Armenia, which we can talk about in a sec. Um, but at the very least, that it's, it's de facto not the case. But this is part of the context. They don't understand what's been happening since 9-11. Gaza was already set up the way it was at that time. That damn evil bastard, uh, Sharon, even he recognized that um, Gaza, as much as they've turned it into a, the, the surveillance of it into a fortress, he recognized they had to be left alone. Mm -hmm. And he pulled back some settlements that were right in, up on Gaza City at the time, and he got called a traitor, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. Anyway, that's, ironically, Gaza is not what has changed most in the Israel-Palestine situation in the last, in the post-9-11 era. What has changed most is the West Bank. It's the main remaining chunk of Palestine. Mm -hmm. You look at the map and officially you're like, okay, well, that's, you know, there's a sizable chunk there and it comes right there through Jerusalem. You know, there's a viable state there. Why haven't those Arabs, you know, what's wrong with them? Why can't they just make do with what they have? Because they're piecemeal carving up the West Bank as well. They have done long before now. Yeah. With, with settlements. And what they do is they reroute the walls continuously, the fences. For example, if there's a highway or just whatever – even a single lane road, modern road built from Israel proper to a new settlement somewhere in the West Bank. Mm -hmm. They just simply put the fence all the way along the road <coughs> around the settlement on the hill and then back again. Mm -hmm. And they've done this so many times that the actual de facto map of the West Bank today is basically about two dozen Gazas, micro statelets. Mm -hmm. This hill, that hill, that valley. That's the West Bank. Here's a here's a map of the the changes since uh, 
from historic Palestine to um, to more or less today. Uh, historic Palestine on the left, in green, before the Israelis moved in, or the, the Jews moved in, rather. Um, and then 1947, you have the partition plan, and then the, the creation of Gaza in 1967, in the West Bank, and then today you see Gaza's down there, and the West Bank is all splintered up into yeah, into little pieces, you know, and in between, like they basically all those white areas in the 2020 version there, on the right, all those white areas in in, in what was the West Bank, they're all their settlements being being helping built in through all of that. So it's obvious that it's obvious that the Israel, the original plan was to the Israeli state was to. Um, you know, in some way or other, completely subsume the Palestinian people and somehow somehow <coughs> turn them into, like, pseudo-Jews or something. Um, but obviously that hasn't happened. It was ridiculous to think that would ever happen, um, especially since the way they're treated. They're treated as second-class citizens. And it was their land, to begin with. They lived on it. They, lived on it. they owned it. They formed it. Mm. Yeah. But even those basic facts, like, you get educated... People, analysts up to down to the finest nuance of other situations, who will seriously still argue that there was no one there. They, they'll repeat back That's to you the so. Israeli core argument, the foundational argument. Say that. A, pe- a people without a land going to For a land, land without people. people. Yeah. I mean, yeah. are you fucking? So yeah, they they believe it, and I mean, there's literally no <laughs> argument. There is no moral, no. morally morally sound, or or humanistic argument for what Israel has done to the, to, the, to the Palestinians and continues to do today. There's none. Um, I mean, I, I mean, I don't even know, I can't even think of what they would say at this point. Because I wouldn't, I mean, I wouldn't accept any kind of like, oh, this was our land back in 2000, 2000 years ago or something, or God gave us, it's like, that's not a serious argument. No. You know, next yeah. Can we have someone who's going to actually try and give a, a solid argument? And I don't. I, that's why they keep going back to those those memes and stuff, and and the mythology because they literally, it's an admission that they know that they're in the wrong, but they carry on. So yeah, you know I'm. I mean, and the thing about it is we don't we don't um, we're not happy about these attacks. These you know or, or any civilians being killed or whatever. But I mean. You have to apportion blame and cause to to the conflict. You know what I mean. And you have to not only that, but point to the person who has the ability to resolve it, to stop this from happening. Israel has the ability, definitely, to stop this from happening. So the fact that it doesn't stop it from happening means it's to blame. Israel is to blame for the deaths of Israeli civilians over the past couple of days. Do you know what the population of Israel is? Like six million or something. It's grown. It's nine and a half. Including Palestinians. Still, it's less than Belgium. Mm. Look at the look at the way they've just dominated. That's including Palestinians, nine million. Including twenty twenty one percent of the population is Israeli Arabic. Is that including the Palestinians in Gaza and West Bank? I don't think so. I think that's just. It's in the West Bank. I think. I think they include the West Bank. It depends. You get it split up, but okay. Let me see. Um, anyway, the total population is something like Belgium's, right? Mm. And, and the, the world spins on this conflict because of its situation amid 
as they say correctly, a sea of Muslims. Mm-hmm. Arabs slash Muslims. I mean, and if they've made an exception to the point where everyone sus- suspends or inverts their moral stance mm-hmm. it applied to every other situation universally until like yesterday, whenever it comes to this small group of 10 million people. There's 8 billion people on the planet. There's a lot of problems. There's like, there's a lot of people with a lot of problems. 8 billion. There's too much time and effort is spent on this 10 million people. Like, walk away. Mm-hmm. I mean, walk away from it, you know, in your mind, if, if not. Yeah. If you're not already involved in them. Um, this, is, this is why I like the, the stance taken by Bobby Kennedy on this is, oh my God. Mm-hmm. There, there is no hope. This is where I was maybe, I was being facetious in earlier shows where I was like, yeah, vote Bobby. You know, I mean, you look at that and go, you can't, we can't vote our way out of this. This is going where it's going. So he's the best of the left populist, right? And let's say Jordan Peterson is the most articulate of right populist. Well, they're both the same here. Mm-hmm. They're both saying on their X accounts right now that they're saying that these Muslim barbarians are rats and they should be basically wiped off the face of the earth. Like, if you follow or support or well, he didn't put say your faith in Jordan Peterson. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but before he didn't, he didn't say that they they were rats and they should be He called the people who are supporting them anti-Semitic rats. Okay, but then he also tweeted directly at Netanyahu and says, "Go get them," which did, yeah. is a carte blanche to yeah. level the place For sure, yeah. and turn it in, into what Laura Luma said—a glass parking lot. So, yeah. you know, it's in the air. There's definitely the the vehem, the 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 main expression in in those who are most skeptical of the state of affairs, i.e. the awake 10% of the population post-COVID, they're pissed on all levels and they, they want to save civilization. Mm-hmm. They all yesterday in unison said revenge. Mm-hmm. Obliterate. They call for annihilation. You know? on, on, on the basis of what? Terrorism. Just on the basis of they, terrorism. They have it framed in their head that this is... Terror, this, what happened was a multi-site terror attack yesterday against 22 locations in southern Israel, totally unprovoked, barbaric, because they're Muslim mm-hmm. or some variant of that, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, and the, many of them expressly, when they're criticizing uh, sh- sh- shows of support in the Muslim ethnic, ethnic uh, populations say in western cities like London, mm-hmm. New York, in France and elsewhere, they say, look, you see these leftists? They're the same problem that Israel has over there. Mm-hmm. What's going on, whether they realize it or not, is that they're leading everyone to a point where when the 10% gets power or gets close to power or gets another 30% on their side, they're going to wage genocide against those lefties slash Muslims mm. in their home country because, look, they're synonymous with the problem Israel faces over there. Mm-hmm. That's where this is all leading to. Do you know what? It's... Fucking horrible. Do you know what's... This yeah, is exactly. why you don't want to be involved in it. <laughs> yeah. Do you, know what's, do you know what's funny as well? Like those <clears> people like would probably... and People like Peterson and those other people who are kind of clueless in this and have these hot takes of, you know, wipe them out, kill them all, whatever. Um, they probably see this kind of... They've been so programmed by, you know, the terrorism, Muslim terrorism, Islamic terrorism over the past... How long is it now? Well, it's way before 9-11, but since 9-11, say 
the population, like those people are susceptible to being programmed with that who don't think. And like, it's strange to hear, to me, for me to hear myself define Jordan Peterson as someone who doesn't think. But he obviously there's a, there's a blind spot or a black spot in his thinking. Um, they've probably, they've been programmed so much with Islamic terrorism that they, and especially in recent years with ISIS and all that kind of stuff, they would see, uh, they would conflate Palestinians attacking Israel with ISIS terrorists, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's weird because it's, it's not complicated in a certain sense. You just have to do a very, even just a very cursory uh, scratching of the surface to, and looking at the, at the at the history and realize that um, ISIS, you can't conflate ISIS with Palestinian terrorism or ISIS terrorism with Palestinian terrorism because what ISIS were actually doing was ISIS were, is this, as we know, a kind of like mostly Western or funded by external sources, bunch of radical right-wing <laughs> jihadis, Muslim fundamentalists, if you could even call them that. Who emerged from just death squads in Sunni-Shia divide in Iraq. Who, who emer- and emerged and, 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 and joined. And what they wanted to do was establish a caliphate. That was their whole thing, right? We're going yeah. to establish a caliphate over these lands. Mm. And um, they never said much against Israel. It was all, they were fighting against the Syrian government, yeah. fighting, Arab, fighting against other, other, other Muslim countries. Anyway, um, they wanted to take other people's land by force through violence and terrorism based on a X hundred or thousand year old claim that this land was theirs. That's, Religious preci- claim. that's precisely what Israel yeah. did in Palestine. Um, whereas the Palestinians in doing what they've done for a long time now and, and most significantly yesterday is to fight back against people who want to do that or who have done that. So ideologically, the Palestinian quote-unquote terrorists are actually anti-ISIS in their ideology. They're they're anti-Israel, but they would fundamentally be anti-ISIS, and they were as well. Um, Most reasonable, true, actual Muslim Arabs in in the Middle East were very much against ISIS. Um, So, you know what I mean? It's it's not hard to, to figure that out. But apparently some people can't do it because it's, they just have this black and white thinking. They lump all Muslims into the terrorism category because yeah. that's what the American government and the Israeli government and the media have wanted you to do over the past 20 years since 9-11. And there you go like a, like a, like a, 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 a mindless sheep bleeding out the same propaganda that has yeah. been fed to you for 20 it's, years. Yeah. It's, it's crazy how dumb Western intellectuals have become. Hmm. In specific, in specific ways. So here's a counterexample, right? So right now there's knee-jerk framing of it as Jews with uh, their Judeo-Christian brothers all over the West, right? Whatever. Judeo-Christian, my ass. Jews versus rabid Muslims. That, that's at the root of this. Oh, my God, this eternal conflict. When there are people who have kind of some kind of neutral position on it, they go, God, it's still going on, you know. <sighs> Religious religion for you, Jews versus Muslims. Well... This is exposed as forced in light of what just took place last week in Azerbaijan, Armenia. Mm-hmm. Um, the Muslim Azerbaijani military captured Armenian-held Nagorno-Karabakh with Israeli weapons. Yep. And Iran, Iran 
sent humanitarian supplies and other assistance, apparently, to help the fleeing Armenian Christians. Orthodox Christians. Christians. So it's, it's not about – the religion is a foil and obviously it's, it's – Outside right, right, the West, right people are wrong. smart and they understand these things. Inside the West, it's like fucking cartoon world. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Judeo-Christian just pisses me off, you know. Um, Judaism and Christianity have – are two entirely different um, That's, yeah. religious, yeah. religious beliefs, they've, they've shown how this, this emerged – they did word searches and stuff that this emerged in like they the stuck 60s. together to try and in the 60s there's no the Israelis started to try and rope the bind themselves to the, to the, to the Christian West you know so they well, get them been, to do their bidding has it not been bloody successful look at yes. what's just took place the yeah. mind merging the enculturation of it you know and it's it, it, it's so crazy that look at all this effort to, to counter hate in every every field, in every in every field where there's a war or conflict, um, Jesus, down to you know, he looked at me funny. I'm offended. You mm. know, countering hate. There can be no hatred ever. It's a taboo. It's outlawed. You get punished for expressing anything that might be deigned as hate these days. Mm-hmm. But in unison, they can all call for revenge and collective punishment of Palestinians. And it's totally synced up, and that's not hate in them as, uh, yeah, you know, the one but, taboo. Yeah, an example of the lack of anything going on. Going on. I mean, you can see you have this report, which is just from, I don't know, it was AP or something uh, yesterday, and um, and in, and people don't have the intellectual capacity to stop and wonder. Uh, it's like they probably think about that thing. They see Israel cuts electricity supply to Gaza, and they go, "Good, they deserve that." And they don't go any further. They don't wonder how is it possible that Israel has such control over Gaza that it can shut off electricity supply to two million people, and what shutting off electricity supply to two million people does if you leave it off for weeks. Yeah, but but there's no no oppression of Palestinians, right? I mean, if you had your electricity supply regularly cut off by an oppressing power, you'd be fine with it, right? You'd never want to do anything about it, right? And if you were locked in to the place where your electricity was, was cut off and you couldn't leave effectively unless you say so, and if you tried to leave, you might get shot or killed, you'd be fine with that, right? And if you'd lived like that and grown up like that since you were born and you're, you, you, it was a multi-generational thing, you'd be fine with it, right? You wouldn't want to attack anybody back. You wouldn't want to take any opportunity to, to strike back against the people who are, who are torment, tormenting you. You should just be thankful, no? How dare you? When you, when, when you lash out against your, your, your tormentor, you're a terrorist, right? Right. And, and, th- and then when, when you point that out to them, that the absurdity of the position they're taking... You can see them; their minds start to rationalize next. It's like, okay, it's an impossible situation. So why, in the name of God, don't they just kind of basically politically accept what's going on? Become Israeli citizens, like the 20% of Arabs, power of Palestinians who are Israeli citizens. As much as they're abused and they're second class, they live and work in Israel. They have a life of some kind. Mm-hmm. Why don't they just ac- accept that? Mm-hmm. They're not allowed to. That's the normalization process that 
the, uh, the ultimate powers in Israel continually strive to avoid. That would be the, the way to get out here. Just kneel and accept and submit. And, and, and just drop all your religious slash national uh, aspirations. Just collapse already. You'll get to live, to, to live some kind of a normal life. They're not allowed to. I bet many of them want to. Many of them do. They become informants and they effectively sell their soul to the enemy and they do whatever it takes to get a job over there and to get out and stuff. But no, Israel keeps that situation because they need the situation mm-hmm. for the means to which they keep Israel united on this, on this money negative, flow. not on a positive, we're all one. It, people project onto Israel that... They're trying to create – it's the only democracy in the Middle East. And if the Arabs would just accept it, they could all live as one and, you know, kumbaya. Yeah. No, that isn't the mindset we're talking about here. People don't understand that Israel was set up as an outpost, primarily as an outpost of the U.S. empire in the Middle East to control the Middle East and to de- keep the Middle East destabilized in, in, for American interests. And that, that's what it has, you know, grown up to be and it's, and it's become a, a, a kind of – a monstrosity in that sense of, 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 of those origins. You know, it's become this distorted version of it's not even really a state, it's an outpost. It's a, it's, it's a, it's, it's, you can't really call it a state because that's not what it was designed as in the first place. Of course, it's got statehood, it's got the trappings of state, but it's the point, of the, it's, it's reason for existing is, is, is not that. And if, if things were to normalize, if they were to normalize, allow normalization of, of uh, the situation with pa- Palestine, obviously it would have to be done on acceptable terms. To Palestinians, and maybe there are acceptable terms, but if Israel were to do that, uh, it would, and peace was to reign in the Middle East, and Israel was to make peace with Iran and stuff, saying Iran's trying to kill us and everybody else is trying to kill us, and you know, never again, blah blah. If it was to, if it to give all that up, Israel would become this relatively small little country in a much larger Middle East, and the dominant powers in that region would then be the, the bigger countries, and Israel, Israel would have to play not second fiddle, but fourth or fifth fiddle mm. to the other major other bigger countries in the Middle East and they don't want to do that because it's about power and dominance uh, and it's power and dom- dominance for Israel they've ab- ab- adopted that mantle themselves but power and dominance by proxy like I said from the beginning of Israel power, power, and, proxy, power and dominance by proxy for America in the Middle East so uh, it's an experiment in that, in that sense Israel was and is an experiment um, so you can't apply any of the normal rules yeah. that you would to you know, you know, relatively peace-loving countries having neighbours and how they should act together. You can't apply that to Israel. That's not the point of Israel. That was never the point of Israel. Uh, Israel, you know, <laughs> it should, you know, it would, it would defy Did, the. Didn't the, some American strategists describe it as our unsinkable aircraft carrier? Yeah, can't remember who. Right. Yeah, I mean, so this kind of stuff is again, it's pretty. It's very, very obvious. It's it's in. It doesn't take much to figure out. You look at the history, you look at the official statements and uh, around the creation of Israel and what, why, why, it, why it is where it is and what it's meant to do. Um, that gives you a totally different and more, much more objective and realistic and real and truthful uh, perspective on, on what's going on today. And then you, would, you wouldn't be doing these hot takes, these moralistic hot takes, these manipulative, manipulative and moralistic hot takes of, you know, the bleeding heart stuff, you know. Terrorists, bad guys, good guys, goodies, baddies. Uh, somebody dies, 
uh, I, I, I'm going to uh, scream on Twitter about it and, and call for uh, a nuclear strike on the, on the, on the evil terrorists. I mean, I, those people. I nearly puked watching every new right conservative mm. sound like a whinging liberal. Yeah. All day. And it's still going on today. Um, <clears throat> somebody I saw earlier from Tom leaving a comment here. He said that the festival was called Peace Festival. For what yeah. it's worth. So. Um, Where a bunch of uh, millennial hipsters get together and take some drugs and, and, and dance until they. There, there was they a big statue of Buddha or something yeah. as a central stage. Yeah. Um, the, yeah, let's see where it goes. You're thinking possibly prelude to a wider war. Obviously, that's something Possible. they would want to contain. Well, it's going to happen. What's happening right now, I think, what's going to happen right now is. I mean, the Israelis have a problem in, in a certain sense. The Palestinians, I mean, they're, 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 if it hasn't happened already, it's going to happen pretty soon where those few towns and villages that they kind of like occupied yesterday will be taken back or being taken back by the they still Israeli, Israeli military. But they will fairly they will, soon. Of course, like, yeah. they'll, they'll, have to be, they'll have to fall back and be pushed back to the... I mean, they might leave some people there to try and make it more difficult for the Israelis to take it back, for the IDF to take it back. Um, but then the next big thing that Netanyahu has almost been forced to do here is to wreak vengeance on, on, on Gaza. So no doubt the Palestinians have, um, Palestinian militants, as they're called, have have a plan or have prepared for that because Gaza is a nightmare for anybody to actually trying to move in. The Israelis have always been seriously averse. They tried it a few times and it was really... It was always a bad idea when they tried to actually move directly into Gaza with you know, troops and, and mm. tanks or whatever, or APCs, uh, because it's just like you just get stuff dropped on you all over the place, you know what I mean? And, yeah. and it's it's urban guerrilla warfare, and it never goes yeah. well for the invading uh, uh, army. So what are they going to do? Uh, they have to just bomb it from, from afar, maybe? Yeah, they can keep bombing it, but they can only do that so much before... You know, there's the a line. Families back home are crying for their hostage relatives. Exactly, to come hostage. Out. It's a very difficult situation. I mean, they're not going to. They did that wipe out. People are like, yeah, wipe out the whole Gaza Strip. That's not going to happen. Obviously, they can't wipe out the whole Gaza Strip. What they're going to kill two two million people, uh, one million children, sure. Um, and obviously, they wouldn't be able to do that because it would be outrage, and that would force the hand of other Muslim countries in the Middle East and stuff. So, um, yeah, it's very difficult to know what they're going to do. It's like they can't do very much. And that's why the Palestinians basically did this. You know what I mean? Why they, they and now may have been facilitated, like we were talking about, by some elements within the Israeli apparatus, political and military apparatus, which may have been facilitated to allow this to be worse than it would have been if they had actually mounted a proper defense and stopped it before it got very far. But that's why the Palestinians uh, did it, because they know, they've, I mean, they've been through this so many times before. They know that the Israelis' hands are, are rel- you know, tied, you know what I mean? The and dynamics are well known to yeah, both sides. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they're going to, you know, it's like, it's like literally almost nothing to the Palestinians when they, sit, when they fire missiles and knock down apartment blocks. It's happened so many times before. They're like, big deal, whatever. Like, we didn't expect that. Uh, but, you know, come and, come and get some, you know. Come on in. No, you don't want to come in, do you? So what are you going to do? You're going to knock down a few buildings. Uh, you're going to kill a bunch of people, obviously. Um, you're probably not going to want to come in. And if you do try to come in, it'll be difficult for you. So then it's back to stalemate, right? Mm. But the problem is that there's, on the record, there's a large number of Israelis who have been killed. So that's the wild card in this respect. It can't really follow, it can't follow on from 
previous Israeli operations of this kind in, in against against Gaza in particular over the past twenty years. There've been there've been well, it depends. Cast on lead, it, but there've been loads loads of official Iron. ones and unofficial ones. Yeah. It can't really follow the same dynamic because, at the very least, it's going there's going to be political. If 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 they if it does go the same way, where like I just said, they knock down a few buildings in Gaza, kill a bunch of people, uh, innocent civilians, whatever, that's not going to be enough to uh, avenge the number of Israelis that were killed and to do something about the fact that the Palestinians were able to advance so far into into Israel. So uh, either at the very least, there's, there's going to be political uh, repercussions in Israel and for Netanyahu. Uh, that there wouldn't have been if it had followed followed similar a similar pattern as before. So, yeah. Um, breaking news today in Egypt: uh, two Israelis killed by an Egyptian police officer. Rumor is they were spies, but then officially they were tourists. So this. Policeman in Egypt kills two Israelis and one <coughs> Egyptian at a tourist site in Alexandria. Mm-hmm. Um, scroll down and see if there's any hint as to what, why that was coming up. Open fire on Israeli tourists. But that can't be the story. They don't <laughs> just open fire. Is, Egypt is so sensitive to that situation. They, something happened to force a shootout there. Um. That's the extent of it so far. But already there's two whiffs of this spreading. This one here and then the north, as I mentioned earlier, Hezbollah opened fire or exchanged fire with the IDF on the Lebanon-Israel border. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we shall see. Um, you see they're using, there's a few videos of them using drones as well, drones to drop. That's, at least in one yeah, tank. That's new, huh? Well, that's you know, that's, it's not new to us after Ukraine war. Well, exactly, but, but that's the first time Hamas has done that. Yeah, yeah, it's new in the sense of it seems to be the the era of of drone warfare has begun in earnest, and it's, it's very hard to to deal with. It. I don't know how many drones the Palestinians actually have, um, but that's really difficult for again, also for, for, like for an Israeli a planned Israeli incursion, you know. You know, on boots on the ground incursion into Gaza, like that's a nightmare because they would come with APCs and, ta- and tanks and stuff. And uh, if they have enough of those drones, I mean, there's that one, at least one video, there's a few maybe, but I've seen one of them just dropping a, a drone, uh, uh, explosive on a, from a drone on a, on a Merkava, a really Merkava tank, and just destroys it. So, Destroyed it. Uh, sets it on fire, basically. So that's, that's, yeah. They've also captured some serious gear. Um, this report here, DefenseSecurityAsia.com, reports um, Hamas captured, four, in addition to the one they destroyed, 14 Merkava tanks and 17 APCs. If, if they captured them, in the sense that they brought them back to Gaza intact, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe also raiding like actual armories in that base they overran, then they have extra firepower they've never had before for such a situation where the IDF does roll into Gaza. Um, again, it's another first. Mm-hmm. It, it, again, this elevates 
if it is a Lee hop, let it happen on purpose. My God, someone's playing with fire. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, well, there's a lot of people in the world today in positions of influence and power who are playing with to fire. enjoy playing with fire and want to play with it some more. Um, yeah. Okay. If you want to talk about any other news, it's been two weeks. Stuff has happened. Um, can't both, remember. Both Canada and the US lost their speakers of the house in the space of a week through very different circumstances, but that is kind of a sign of the times. Mm-hmm. Um, Canada, of course, we commented on that at the time, but that sure threw up a firestorm. Um, what hadn't happened when we last talked about it was the climb down. We left it as, well, there you go, the West has gone Nazi and they've no problem with it, but they did climb down big time. And Trudeau's, Trudeau gets to live another day by blaming it all on the Speaker of the House. Mm-hmm. This slick bastard. <laughs> um, he knew him. for a while who was, who was coming and everyone in Canada knew, or at least in Yuki diaspora circles mm-hmm. in Canada knew who yeah. this hunk of guy was. Um, they have memorials to actual SS Nazis all over Canada. I mean, anyway, it's Canada's dirty secret that you're not supposed to talk about. Mm-hmm. But by flashing it across the world, it forced a week-long attention on Nazi gate, you know. Um, and then last week, of course, in the U.S. Congress. Maybe is that what's happening in Congress? Could that be related to Israel flaring up, Israel-Gaza flaring up? Mm-hmm. I wonder. They often do have tandem issues, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's hard to say. I've, I've looked in the past at the timing of Israeli either self-inflicted or outright direct attacks against Palestinians. And th- there often is an angle in terms of an issue going on in the United States or vis-a-vis U.S. foreign policy. But mm. I, I wouldn't hazard to guess what that is here, except that, of course, this House Speaker situation is – it's interesting – what one <clears throat> CNN says why Clapper says Hamas Hamas attacks are an apt comparison to nine eleven. I just want to put go. this in perspective for uh, viewers in the United States, viewers who are watching around the world, uh, particularly in the United States. I have heard from Israelis uh, saying that this is our nine eleven. Uh, you know, it's hard to make a comparison, but. When you think about the scope of the attack, the surprise, the use of civilians, the killing of civilians, and now apparently, which is very different from 9-11, taking civilians hostage, obviously, as um, to use as a bartering chip for whatever it is that they want. Uh, Do you think that 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 is sort of an important way to put this in context and to view this? Yes, unfortunately, I do. Uh, I couldn't help but think back. Uh, on 9-11 and, of course, the uh, extensive critiques and criticisms of the intelligence community, uh, notably by the 9-11 Commission, which uh, cited uh, the intelligence community for its lack of imagination and a failure to connect the dots. And I couldn't Uh, help but uh reflect on that that phraseology in, in this case. I think perhaps the Israelis had sort of a stereotypical... Uh, image of Hamas's uh, military capabilities 
and did not expect them to be able to mount such a, a sophisticated multi-prong attack and on such a surprise basis. So I, I think, unfortunately, it is an apt comparison. Yeah, absolutely. Totally. Sure. Whatever. I'm going to start using... Can I have personal 911s? Yeah. You know, like if I fall down the stairs or something like that. I'll say it'll be, it was an intelligence failure. I, I failed to connect the dots or connect like my leg with the stairs. Uh-huh. And I fell down and it was devastating and it was my personal 911. <clears throat> Everything I don't like is my personal 911. Um, yeah. Whenever God does me wrong, yeah, it's my 911. Yes. Anyway, yeah. Well, we there's not is there anything else? Of course there is, but of course there is, but nothing so so that's, pressing. That's that's the current event anyway. That's the yeah. current thing. The it's current always thing. important to. I think we've done our bit to pull people back. I mean, I see a lot of people putting the fucking Israeli flag in their bio. These are the people who had Ukrainian flag in their bio at the beginning, since became skeptics, and are since railing against the fact that they were duped into that. And right. the Israeli flag is in the bio. But they like being duped, so they want more they, duping. I'm not feeling like I need a dupe. I need to be duped. I don't feel good. Uh, yeah. Anyway, um... Do you have uh, a joke for us this week? Oh, that is the joke. How does, personal non-level. <laughs> yes, that's my personal non-level. That was a joke. No, uh, how does uh, an appropriate, appropriate joke, uh, a relevant joke, uh, how, does, how does Moses make tea? Go on. He brews. Anyway. He brews. He brews. <laughs> he brews, Neil. Come on. Wasn't that hard? Anyway, uh, yes, on that sorry note, <laughs> and that horrible joke, we're going to leave it there for this week. Folks, thanks for listening, watching. Hope you enjoyed the show, and thanks for commenting. We'll be back next week with another one. So until then, have a good one. See ya. Thanks for watching. Bye, everyone. Can't stop the signal now. Mm-hmm.